The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, it's Monique, and this is episode 90 of the Brown Vegan Podcast. And with this show, I love to uh, show veganism from a very practical perspective to help people get started and keep going with their journey. And I also really, really love sprinkling in some vegan entrepreneurship and wellness. And I feel like this episode is a perfect example of all of that. I have Trudy from The Genius Life on the show, and she's going to be sharing her journey as um, far as starting her vegan journey, as well as her journey to be a social media influencer and experimenting with herbs and things that help her as far as her wellness. So like I said, this is a perfect example of everything that I want this show to be in 2019 (laughs) um, is right here in this episode of Trudy. We had a great conversation about how she's much more intentional about the food she eats, um, how she is using her platform to educate others and to make a living that way. She has a production company as well as a lifestyle brand, which is The Genius Life with her partner, Jet. So they've been able to do this for the last several years. And um, not only have they been able to do it, but they've been able to do it well and charge for it. This is one of the things that I definitely want to talk more about is, you know, how to build your brand and business, especially as vegan influencers, because I feel like there's not necessarily a lot of information out there for us. And so I want to make sure that I bring more guests on the show um, in a new year to share that. So yeah, be sure to connect with The Genius Life. They're The Genius Life across all of the social platforms, including YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. They have a podcast too, and it's called Real Vegan Talk with The Genius Life. So I'll be sure to link all of their information on the show notes at brownvegan.com under episode 90. So yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into Trudy's vegan story. I decided to go vegan actually back in 2015 and this was like years after my grandfather on my mom's side as well as my aunt my aunt which is my mom's sister passed away from cancer and it wasn't like that wasn't really the direct reason but it was almost like those two things built up Um, on top of me eventually starting to realize that like I'm starting to get older like my body's not the same way it used to be like my digestive system was starting to get slower I had to work out back in the day like I didn't really have to work out it's not because of my weight but just like feeling like more sluggish so like realizing all these things I'm like, something's got to change. So started doing some research, ended up watching a couple documentaries like Food Inc., And I realized that, one, the food industry is not here for us. You know, like they're literally 
literally against us if you think about it because of everything that's happening the the uh, food deserts and the fact that we really we really aren't being served in terms of quality food when you think about going to a regular grocery store what are you seeing you're seeing tons of aisles of processed foods and you know you see a little produce section but you also see a huge meat section and and what's that going to do to our bodies it over time is going to affect our cholesterol levels. It's going to affect our our weight. It's going to affect our overall health. And I was like, nah, I don't want to take part in this anymore. On top of the whole animal rights thing, you know, I didn't go vegan for animal rights, but it's definitely a factor in there. So for me, going vegan was many different things. Seeing family members pass away from illnesses that could have been reversed. Um, realizing I'm getting older and I had to make a change and um, not agreeing with the food industry's practices. So I really think that this lifestyle is super, super important, especially as times change in terms of how factory or in terms of how farming is done nowadays with soil depletion and everything else. So, you know, for me, it's just a lifestyle that's almost inevitable. It's like if you want to continue to live on this planet, you're going to have to make a change because food is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. That is so true. Like when people always say, oh, Oh, my grandmother, she lived until she was 108 years old, you know, and she lived off the land and everything was good. But, yeah, it's definitely not the same as the way our right. grandmothers lived. That's for sure. Because I know you came mm-hmm. to America when you were um, nine. So how did mm-hmm. when you were living in Jamaica and then you came here, how did you eat when you were growing up? How did that look for you? Okay, growing up, we ate a lot of jerk chicken, curry chicken. Like, Jamaicans love meat, and even just any Caribbean. Like, we love meat. We love a lot of sauce, a lot of oil, even, like, bread. Bread was a huge staple. I actually had um, my uncle who worked at a bakery literally, like, I would say it was, like, a good 50 miles away. He would bring us a loaf of bread every Saturday. Like, he would walk those 15 miles. It was just that, like, you know, like, community-driven and bring us that fresh loaf of bread. And we would just like, you know, eat that throughout the week. And so I can't, I can always remember that memory because it was just so amazing smelling that fresh baked bread. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, for us, that was a staple. Like in the mornings, we would have that with like eggs. Um, We would eat like salami, like fried salami or bologna. I don't know if you guys eat that in, in America, but I wouldn't say vegetables is like a, was like a staple. I think it was more like an afterthought. It was more like the meat and the rice and sometimes ground provisions. Like ground provisions is basically like your root vegetables, like potatoes, yams, um, what else? Just a lot of food that just is very heavy and is grown in the earth. And that, that really was our lifestyle. Also, we eat this thing called ackee, which is actually a fruit, but it's also, we kind of use it as a vegetable. So like if you're sauteing like greens, you can add ackee to it or, well, you can do the greens on the side. And we would generally eat ackee with saltfish, which was like, it was more like a breakfast meal and it was just so delicious. But if you don't cook it correctly, you can actually be poisoned. So that was kind of (laughs) crazy. But uh, yeah, growing up for us, eating was just a lot of meat, a lot of oil, and um, definitely not enough vegetables now that I realize how much is necessary. But it was, I would say it was a pretty balanced meat eating diet um, based on what was available to us. And the fact that, you know, we had markets and a lot of us grew uh, food on the land, it was a little bit easier to get root vegetables, but we weren't really big on greens. So definitely moving into the like the vegan lifestyle, things change a lot for me in terms of how many um, 
dark leafy greens I was eating and just foods that weren't too heavy. Because I feel like growing up, like a lot of the foods I ate was super heavy, like the breads and the root vegetables. And now it's kind of like moving towards the lighter diet just because I don't know, I don't feel like I need all that heavy food anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think we can all relate to probably not eating a whole lot of green leafy vegetables growing up. You know how like Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving just passed, right? So the grocery store, I know that there was like a recall on lettuce. But as far as the grocery store, um, a lot of the greens were gone and everything. And I was thinking to myself as I was in there, I was like, I feel like this is the only time of year that people are intentional about eating greens. So true. For Thanksgiving. Isn't that crazy? That's so so crazy. crazy. Mm -hmm. Most of us, a lot of us still eat a lot of canned vegetables. And that's another thing. Like I realized canned vegetables really don't have as much nutrients. And, you know, I don't really pick on, not pick, but I don't judge anybody that still uses canned vegetables but if you really want to get as much nutrients from your food you've got to get rid of the foods that are sitting on the shelf for a long period of time or even frozen i'll do because it's at least a lot of times it's quick frozen but at the same time it's like there's nothing better than fresh like especially if it's local you know so like you really at least i feel the difference when i eat more fresh food than as opposed to like something that's been sitting on the shelf right it sounds like of course now that you eat a lot of uh, leafy greens and more vegetables. You probably, I feel like you eat lighter just looking at your social media than you probably did yes. growing up. So mm-hmm. what does a typical meal look like for you? It can be whatever meal of the day you want to give me. Okay. Um, I would probably do, let's say lunch. So for lunch, a lot of times we, we stay away from rice nowadays because I just find even if it's brown rice, it could still kind of make me bloated depending on what time of month it is. Even Jet, I find like he... He really doesn't need the brown rice. We do a lot of quinoa. We have buckwheat. Um, so, like, let's say for lunch we'll do some quinoa with some either lentils or um, chickpeas, some type of bean that is not too heavy. Because although I love my black beans and my red kidney beans, it's also, like, really heavy, especially if you don't prepare it right. Like, for me, when I do cook my beans from scratch, especially the red kidney beans, I like boil it and then throw off the water because, you know, those phytic acids, like the enzyme inhibitors, if you if you don't soak it for enough time and then you boil it, you're still going to have all that in the water. So Mm -hmm. like you have to like throw it off and then put it back on and cook. So it's kind of it takes longer. But yeah, so but you digest it better. It sounds like exactly. Yeah. So it's not like it's worth it. I, at least I don't experience the gas and bloating. But if I don't do that, if I don't take the time to do that, then forget it. It's a wrap. Like we're going to be just, you know, gassy all week. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we do a lot of lentils, um, a lot of chickpeas. Those are just pretty easy staples for us. A lot of greens. Like sometimes in the mornings we'll just get up and saute some greens or we'll just massage some kale with some coconut oil and some lemon juice and maybe just have some avocados. Like sometimes we just keep it really simple and light just because that's how we're feeling. Um, And then depending, like let's say I want something heavier along with the quinoa and the lentils and the chickpeas, I'll do like maybe a baked sweet potato on the side, just a little bit, not too much to make it too heavy. Um, and then like avocados and just keep it really simple. Sometimes I'll drizzle like tahini on, on the greens if I'm in the mood and that's pretty much it. So I know that you also like to dabble into like herbs and tea and all of that good stuff. So what are some of your favorites and like, why do you love them? Cause I feel like you're so knowledgeable when it comes to a lot of this. So just share your experience with, um, you know, how that looks as far as some of your favorites and how you use them. 
Okay, yeah. So I started dabbling into herbs when I realized that I had a like candida issue. Um, and I started going into like Ayurveda to use their herbal um, concoctions to help me. And it really helped. So a couple of my fav- like my favorite all-time favorite uh, herb is triphala. And triphala is basically like three fruits that are dried into like a powder. Um, And this is really good. It's an anti-inflammatory. So it's really good for people that have inflammation throughout the body. It's also good for the digestive system. So it's a natural laxative. So you won't be on the toilet all day long. Like you'll just go when you're supposed to. So if you find sometimes your digestive system is a little slow, um, like this will just keep you regular. Um, And that's what I love because, you know, sometimes like back in the day when we would get what we call it washout back in Jamaica, we would get washout like you would literally be on the toilet all day long. But instead of doing that, you know, you have triphala and other herbs that you can just take and it'll just keep you regular. Um, And then I also love ashwagandha. So ashwagandha is an adaptogen and it's what an adaptogen basically does, it adapts to your body and what it needs. So let's say you're stressed out and you're fatigued, you're, you know, on the move all the time, your adrenals are, um, you know, your adrenals are almost drained out, then you need like that sustained energy. So ashwagandha will give you that and it will help you to manage the stress and not feel overwhelmed. And this is something that you have to take, you know, a couple days to kind of really feel like you're not going to take one you know, ashwagandha tea and feel amazing. Like you have to take this a couple days in a row and then you'll start to feel the difference. And what I love about ashwagandha and just any adaptogen herb in general is that it doesn't give you that like drop. So like for me, I used to drink a lot of coffee in in college and that kind of helped me sustain throughout the day and be able to study and all that stuff. But I would have that huge drop in energy and then I just feel horrible at the end. So honestly, I feel like my adrenals are drained at this point and I just I feel like now adaptogens are like my savior. So ashwagandha and other adaptogens, they don't do that. Like they're literally just going to give you what you need and you keep it moving. Like you don't have to worry about having that low energy after getting the high from whatever. So, yeah, ashwagandha. Oh, no crashing. <laughs> yeah, no crashing basically. Um, what else do I like? I also like my mom. Um, this is not something I use generally, but my mom, she's in that stage right now where sometimes she deals with hot flashes. So dandelion greens are really good for that. It balances the hormones. It helps you to, um, basically not deal with a lot of those menopausal symptoms that women deal with during that time. So dandelion greens are really good for that. It's also good for the immune system. What else do I love? Oh, red raspberry leaf tea. So for me, I deal with a lot of period pains. Well, not so much anymore because I've been I've learned to balance it out and, you know, use my diet along with herbs to, you know, make myself feel better. But red raspberry leaf is amazing. Like you can literally take that for three days um, leading up to your cycle and you will not feel any pain or at least I that's what I experienced. And I had really bad cramps. So, yeah, red raspberry leaf is really good for what it does. It tones the uterus. So, um, you know, like when you're having cramps, your uterus is actually contracting and it's it's like it's contracting really hard. So in order for you to kind of like relax the muscles down there, you need something that's like a muscle relaxer. And that's basically what it does. It relaxes the muscles and helps you to be able to just feel calm and soothe during your cycle. So yeah, I would say those are my top herbs, triphala, ashwagandha, red raspberry leaf, and dandelion leaf tea. Mm, So all of them in a tea form is how you typically take them? 
Yes. Well, you know what? Trifle is a powder. Ashwagandha I use in a powder form, but you can get ashwagandha in a root. And then dandelion is a leaf in leaf form. I don't think they have it in powder. Um, or you could get it in the tea bag. And then, uh, ash, what you call it? That was dandelion. And then res- red raspberry leaf is in leaf form. Mm-hmm. Do you usually go to like a health food store? Like where do you get everything that you need? Where do you get all your supplies? Oh, that's a good question. So when I first like began this journey, I used to go to a local herb shop that's literally like 10 minutes away from me. But I realized that it was more expensive to do that way. So then I started looking online and I found this company called Mountain Rose Herbs, which they actually sell in bulk. So companies that actually do herbal like mixes um, go to them and other companies like that to get their herbs like basically wholesale price. And so that's bas- that's where I get mine. Like I just go online and, you know, you choose the amount of ounces that you want per herb and um, you do have to pay shipping, but they they literally get they I feel like they have the best prices because I looked around for a long time and compared to my local herb shop and some of the other herb companies out there, especially herb formulas that are already mixed um, you'll find that if you buy it from Mountain Rose Herbs and mix it yourself, you're saving a lot of money. So Mountain Rose Herbs. And if I want something quick um, where it's already mixed, I would I do shop at Mood Belly and we actually partner with them as well. They sell a lot of adaptogenic herb mixes. So they're in powder form. They have like ashwagandha, cacao, like mushroom adaptogens. Um, but again, like they're already mixed. So you're going to find it's more expensive than going to like, um, mountain rose herbs where everything is not, you know, mixed. Right. Right. That makes sense. So what does your routine look like? Okay. Are you drinking all of this over the course of a week? How does this look? Um, well, it depends. Like something like triphala, I don't always need cause I'm not always feeling like I need a laxative. So I'll just take that as needed. Ashwagandha, because I feel like I'm always under stress. Like I take that every other day cause mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I just need it. Like I'm, we're managing two businesses, you know, we're always on the road. We have family dealing with and, and it's just a lot always going on. So for me, ashwagandha, it tastes good as well as it's natural. So I don't have to worry about, you know, all the crash and stuff like that. So I use that pretty much every other day. Um, but for me, in, in terms of like my morning routine, when I wake up right now, I'm having a herb mix and it has a bunch of different Ayurvedic herbs. Um, and it's actually, a it's labeled Candida Cleanse, although I don't have Candida currently, or I don't have elevated levels of Candida. I still use that to maintain. And it has, um, I'd have to pick it up, but I know it has Vedanga, Trifala, and a bunch of different like um, herbs that are really good for the uh balancing the gut bacteria and keeping everything really solid down there so i take that as well as i have vitamin d drops and um what else do i take and i take shilajit shilajit is um actually fulvic acid like i don't know if you know much about soil depletion but um, a lot of our fruits and vegetables nowadays are farmed in soil that is not as rich as it used to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you can either take vitamins and supplements like in pill form or you can take something like shilajit, which is in like a liquid form. You just like scoop it out and put it in your tea in the morning and just take it like that. It's basically like minerals. So the FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products. So this is why most of them don't. 
A lot of the major brands use synthetic ingredients. They use chemical cleansing agents, fragrances, and dye in these products. Because we don't know what's in it and how it affects our body, I think it's always important to go natural as much as you can. This is why I'm so excited to be working with Lola for this episode of the podcast. They are a modern day approach to feminine care products. It's a female founded company and they offer organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all natural cleansing wipes. Because I know you care about what you put in your body, Lola products are 100% organic cotton. They have no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. I feel as though Lola makes life easier because the products are delivered right to my door. So about two days before your shipment is sent out, they'll send you an email and they'll give you a chance to customize your order. You know, maybe you need more of one thing and less of another, or you can skip a month or cancel. You don't have to worry about being charged for something that you don't need at the time. Another great thing too is that you are really doing good with each purchase that you make with Lola. They donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. For 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter the promo code BROWNVEGAN when you subscribe. So that's mylola.com, promo code BROWNVEGAN to save 40% off of your subscription. So I know, of course, because you're really busy, like you said, you're running two businesses. One of the main reasons I wanted you on the show is to talk about being an influencer and working with brands and yes, uh, yes, running yes. your businesses and YouTube and all of that stuff. I wanted to talk about that because I think it's, it's just so important. It's something that I feel like it's one of my missions in life is to share more, <laughs> have more conversations about like how to be a vegan, you know, how to start a vegan business and yes. just how to grow in that way. So when did you start the genius life? Okay, so we started the genius life uh, actually two years ago. So this December actually makes two years. So we're pretty fresh in the game. Nice. Um, yeah, it's been two years, and we we actually started. This is something I never actually told anyone. So this is exclusive? really secret okay. knowledge, okay. exclusive knowledge. Okay. We started our YouTube channel because we were we, we were doing a different business venture. We were actually selling a product on Amazon, and we wanted an outlet to. Um, basically promote it and then and at the same time we were going vegan not well not going vegan but we were like in the process of transitioning out a lot of the things that we were eating and but we were still already in the vegan lifestyle so we were like okay we'll talk about the products that we sell we'll vlog and um yeah we'll just have this lifestyle channel so ended up starting the youtube channel and never talked about the products because we we found this love for you know, our lifestyle, like our conscious living, the things that we, the products that we use on a daily basis, the food that we eat. And we were like, I don't really, we felt like the other stuff that we were doing really did not match up with like the other lifestyle. So we were like, we just never ended up talking about it. Um, and the funny thing is we were actually selling bike bells, the most random thing ever. That like, so <laughs> And we still have it. We actually make sales, but we don't promote it like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, wait, I'm yeah. sorry, I gotta cut you off. What, what made you do that? Did you read something about niching down to something? Cause I feel like something like that is random, but I'm sure it sells. Like, so we, where, where did oh that God, come we from? So much, <laughs> Bike so bells. I know, right? We did so much research. Um, so we were listening to podcasts about being Amazon sellers. And, um, I think it was Jet that he was doing some, um, Jungle Scout research. So there's this add on on Google Chrome that you can get called Jungle Scout if you're an Amazon seller. 
And so he used that to basically look at the different niches and he realized that sports and like um, just any type of product within that niche, especially if you can find something that's kind of very not often thought about, then you can you can make a lot of money on it. And so mm-hmm. we were like, okay, so let's look in sports. And then I think we looked at like yoga mats, but it was a little bit too popular. And it was it was going to be like a more of an investment because it does take a lot more money to get a, a really good yoga mat. And we didn't want to get something that was, you know, cheap because everything is coming from China. And, and it's kind of hard to like, you, we would have to buy a couple of them before we realized, okay, this is the one we want to sell. So it took us probably two or three different companies to find the bike bill that we wanted. And we ended up putting it for sale on Amazon. And they were like, okay, how do we promote this? So we decided to go on YouTube. And then we did, a, I think our first video was a vlog. We did, we said, okay, let's start with the vlog, see how the audience is before we started jumping out with bike bells and all this stuff. And we just never ended up doing it because <laughs> we're like, I think this is more of a outlet for recipes and just our lifestyle. People really seem to be interested in our lifestyle and we enjoyed sharing about it. And at the same time we were moving because I started a new job here in Maryland. So we're like, you know what? I think this works better for our YouTube channel. So that's how we started The Genius Life. And then we started the Instagram page right after that, probably like a couple days after that. It was like mid-December 2016, I wanna say. And um, started growing that and um, posting a lot of recipes and talking about our lifestyle, you know, like going less plastic. I actually recently posted about um, our plastic usage and like trying to lower that and as much as like we're trying there's just everything is just in plastic and you can't really avoid it so our last video on youtube was supposed to be a plastic free haul but it was a fail because everything is in plastic but at least you know my vegetables my produce and stuff like that was in like canvas bags but for the most part um we did have some we had some plastic because like i got some spinach and plastic and Mm -hmm. some bread and stuff like that you really can't avoid it but um, yeah, so we just decided to share our lifestyle on Instagram, and then we started our Twitter, Facebook page, and it kind of just propelled from there. I think that you have an advantage because you do it with um, someone else, especially yeah. someone that you live with. It just makes like so much easier as far as like um, building your brand when you do it with someone else. So, That's so like, true. yeah, what does that look like as far as who's responsible for what? Because your video quality is amazing. You guys have amazing chemistry on camera too. So oh, who is yes? Who is responsible for what? Oh my God, that's a good question. So I'm responsible for idea creation. So I'm the one that thinks of what the content is going to be about. Um, Even like, let's say it's a a brand, um, brand collaboration. For me, like, I start to like outline what do I want to cover on the on the video. Um, usual video like videos that aren't brand collaborations. I don't really go into that detail. I kind of just let it flow most of the times. But um, yeah, so I I figure out what the video is going to be about. If I need to create an outline, I'll create an outline of what I have to talk about during the video. We've also gone as far as scripting videos before. Um, so that that was pretty fun. You I think we really say it again. Yeah, we've actually gone as far as scripted scripting videos. And like choosing the location to film. So, for instance, um, the video that we created with Salt, the menstrual cup company, that was completely scripted. And so we like I did my research on like the specs on the brand. And I also talked about my experience with the brand and like what they were doing, because um, back in September, they were actually like 
doing a full month uh, giveaway. So each day in September, they were giving away a menstrual cup, um, partnering with different influencers. And, and they were also going abroad to like developing nations and like giving away menstrual cups and educating people on menstrual health and all that stuff. So it was really cool. Um, so yeah, that video was completely scripted and I basically kind of wrote out what I wanted to say and what location I'd be saying it in because we actually did it in a way where like we started out at home and we were traveling to the grocery store and then from the grocery store we were traveling to Jersey. Um, we stopped at a rest stop. So like each location kind of went along with what I was talking about at that moment. So it was really cool. Like I really enjoyed doing that and I think we should do more of that stuff. But yeah, I do content creation and well, content idea creation and then he is in, responsible for all filming, all the editing and thumbnails. Thumbnails is something we are so bad at. Like we, by now you would think we would get a shot list, you know, like <laughs> we always forget to get the thumbnail. It's just so annoying. So I know do you go at, you go at iMovie and then do a screenshot then since you forget? We do, but like that, <laughs> he's such a perfectionist. He hates using the screenshot because oh, it's not no. as cool. Sometimes we'll just go and like do another picture, right? Like let's say it's a whole week later, we'll still do the picture at that point, put the same clothes on. <laughs> like, oh, well, damn, <laughs> he is a perfectionist. Let's say we realized we didn't get the screen, we didn't get the thumbnail like at nighttime, but we need the thumbnail in daytime. We'll wait till like the sun is up to take the new thumbnail. Wow. <laughs> so that, that's why we take so long to get content out because everything, and that's my thing, like I, I really want to start being more consistent, but it's- You it's are a so tough, consistent, tough what do you mean? I see you all the time <laughs> we are not consistent like for instance okay so for youtube we're supposed to be posting once a week that doesn't always happen for instagram we post at least three to four times on the feed per week we try to but that doesn't always happen and then on igtv we post on tuesdays so and then i try to do at least a couple stories every day on ig stories so yeah, like sometimes, like for instance, I was supposed to post the IGTV yesterday, but because of Thanksgiving, like the whole days got you know mixed up. So mm -hmm. today I'm posting the IGTV video. So that's um, a lot, though. I think that's a lot of outlets. You're like me. You like to be all over the place, and I, it's a good thing and a bad thing. <laughs> it is. Cause it's like oh, you have to like really keep scheduled because otherwise you'll you'll mess up and not be on time. Yeah, but I think we we are hard on ourselves then people probably notice because I feel like I see you a lot so I don't feel like you're, you're not around <laughs> which is a good thing I guess well, that's good to hear <laughs> I feel like I see you maybe because I think what helps is the fact that you're I feel like you're really active on Insta story so what out of all of the platforms which one is your favorite I love Instagram I'm literally like addicted not addicted but like I find myself clicking on Instagram before any other app especially when I'm being active, like for instance, when I'm posting stories and like if I have a poll up, I wanna know what people are saying, I wanna know what they're responding to in the DMs and I wanna make sure I'm interacting so they can see that I'm invested as much as, you know, they're invested because that's how you build a tribe. So for for me, like Instagram is really cool. I like the fact that you can actually post stories and I can't believe, I know YouTube now has stories but I don't think they released it to everybody and I'm kind of surprised that it's still not like a thing on YouTube because it's like, you know, that is, that's such a huge platform and so many creators are creating good content. We want to be able to interact other than the, on, in the comments. And so it's like, we need to have DMs on YouTube. We need to have stories. And it I just think kinda, they waited uh, too long, Trudy. 
They I did. Mean, they crazy. waited way too long to offer it. And everybody, I feel like, is already established on Snapchat or if people still use Snapchat. But I feel like the, right? young, the young guys are using it. My kids use it. I think that uh, everybody else is established on Instagram in the story. So they're like, I'm not going both places if I don't have to. Exactly. <laughs> they waited like, too long. Yeah. They definitely waited too long. And with Snapchat, I feel like maybe because it's only snapping like it's not like instagram has snapping the feed like it's it's, it's everything easier. it's a yeah. one-stop shop <laughs> exactly <laughs> you just got everything right there so that's right. instagram is my favorite i definitely enjoy the stories that fe- the feed like i have to remind myself to post because i guess i make a big deal of posting especially when i used to put my recipes on the feed like I would have to think about okay how much did I use of this and a lot of times like when I'm doing my recipes I write everything down but sometimes if I'm in a rush I don't get to write down the exact amount so then I have to think back like okay how much did I put you know two teaspoons or one teaspoon and then I gotta write everything out and then I gotta you know put a little um I have I use this thing where it gives me the spaces so I don't know if you you're familiar with like if you make a long post on Instagram, like you have to put those underscores so you could kind of like space out Separate, the content. Yeah. What, are, what are you using for that? It's called Apps for Life. It's um, it's literally just a website. And uh, basically you just go on and you type up everything that you want to do and you click convert. And it, it puts the spaces in between there for you. And it does You don't have to use any underscores, any emojis, unless you want to use emojis. But it just makes it look really clean, just like paragraphs as opposed to like a bunch of lines in between your words. So, so you really... type it in there and you do this on your phone or do you type it on your computer and then move it over? Like, how are you doing it? I do it on my phone. So like, um, for instance, let me make sure. Yeah, it's called Apps for Life. It's literally just a website. And well, the website is Apps the number four lifehost.com and you can bookmark it on safari or whatever and just type everything in there and then once you convert it it copies to your clipboard and then just go straight to instagram nice. paste it in there and you're good to go oh i like that because i always feel like i struggle with the space <laughs> i yeah. use i like to use up uh, planoli too to do it have you ever used that software the scheduling oh. software I, I like to use it just because it makes it clean too if i just put you know, hit my enter button on my computer as I'm typing it, it'll automatically convert it for Instagram. So that's the only reason I use Pan. I think it's called Planoli. I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. I'll put in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about like, what does it mean to be an influencer to you? Because I feel like these days, um, I feel like that term is thrown around a lot. There's a lot of conversations or maybe it's because of the space that we're in. I feel like there's a lot of conversations about People making money on social media, YouTube, all of the different platforms, blogging, newsletter. It's so mm-hmm. many different ways to make money these days. And mm-hmm. specifically, I want to talk about how to make money as a, a a vegan influencer because that to me is so dear to us because I feel like for so many years, I struggled trying to figure out how to make this work because a lot of the information out there wasn't specific to vegans. I feel like it was people selling business advice who have businesses selling business advice if that (laughs) like their first business is the business that they're trying to sell you kind of thing like it's completely completely different like I have like products and things like that but it's not enough to sustain a living and that's why I'm on the influencer side now because I really want to make a good living so that I can be able to delegate some of these responsibilities and be consistent kind of like what you're talking about the consistency and all of that good stuff so exactly what does that mean to you Trudy what does it mean to be an influencer and like how are you using 
your influence in this space <laughs> and all the different platforms, whatever you want to say about that. Yeah. So for me, being an influencer is all about serving, like literally just selflessly serving and you have to love what you do. So if you're, you know, for me, like I'm not, you wouldn't, you'd be surprised, but I'm not like in love with cooking. Like, um, this is something I do because I realize my lifestyle requires it. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, you know, you go out to eat, you don't really get the same quality or maybe you have certain ingredients in there that doesn't serve your body. So for me, being an influencer is about, you know, doing something that you love to do or at least doing it with passion and um, being like selfless, being able to selflessly serve your audience. So just constantly putting yourself out there. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, in this day and age, we, we don't want to really be authentic. And for me, it, it is still hard because you're so used to just keeping things to yourself. But I think being an influencer is all about sharing those vulnerable mo- moments and being able to um, talk about stuff that not everybody's talking about. Or maybe that is not really publicized, like, for instance, period pains or having trouble with digestive issues or having candida, like stuff like that, that there is many people dealing with it or even just using a menstrual cup. Like you have no idea how many people in my life and even in my sister's life that came up and was like, oh, I use a menstrual cup after the fact you know, once I put out the video, they're like, oh, yeah, I use a menstrual cup. Like, OK, when were you going to tell me? Like, yeah. you know, like there's a better you, option. You keep the secrets. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we're just not talking about this stuff. So it's just like, wow. So I feel like the job of an influencer is talk, talking about the things that nobody else wants to talk about. So the thing is, I feel like, okay, tell me if I'm wrong. Maybe it's just me. But I feel like sometimes in this space, as far as being vegan influencers, that people think that it's not good to charge for um, working with brands. They think you should just do it because you want to do it and not because you're being compensated for it. Have you, do you have, did you have like any type of <sighs> little dilemma within <laughs> about that? Do you right? feel, did you feel comfortable charging right away working with brands? Like how did that look for you? This was a struggle for me because we did this for a good year and a half before we even decided to try to work with the brand. And for a long time, I thought we were too small. I thought that we didn't have enough of an impact um, or enough of an audience to really work with brands. But then I started to realize people smaller than us are working with brands and they are not creating content, you know, on the same level. And not to say that you have to have this stellar content our quality content to, you know, work with brands, but we have pretty good quality and we know that. So we're like, okay, there, there's definitely a fine line between like the content quality and, you know, where your audience is at and just being confident in who you are and what you come, you have to bring to the table. And for us, it was just a matter of coming to that mindset that, you know what, like, it doesn't matter, like, we're going to put ourselves out there. So the way we started working with brands is we just started pitching, like, and it took us a couple, a couple weeks, I would say, maybe even over a month to actually get some responses. I had to tweak my little template a couple times, and tweak my media kit. And eventually people started to, you know, you know, brands started to come around and see, okay, there's something here that I want to work with. Yeah. So how did you get that first offer? Like, how did you approach? I know you said that you were basically cold emailing, it sounds like a lot of these Mm -hmm. clients to work with them. So, okay, (laughs) let's go back to that first time you got a response. And they were like, okay, I do want to work with you. 
Mm-hmm. What did you do? First of all, were you like, were you surprised because you had felt like you were rejected all of that time? Like, what happened after that? Well, I, when I got that email, I was like, wow, am I literally about to get paid for something that we've done for free for so long? <laughs> oh my God. I was in shock. Literally. I was like, nah, this is, I literally thought that this was almost like a myth. Like I thought only like the really big influencers yeah. getting paid and that like, this just was never possible for somebody at our size, despite our quality. And so like seeing that first email was really a shocker. Cause then I realized how real this was. And um, for me, it also made me realize what what brands are looking for. You know, they're looking for that authenticity, but they're also looking for your your message to really align with, you know, their message. So um, like our first deal, our first like brand deal was with Salt. Actually, they're a menstrual cup company and they were doing a giveaway. So funny, because when I emailed them. I always do research on companies first. So like I follow them on Instagram, you know, I I check out their stories. I look at their website. I make sure I see what they're about. And if I think, you know, we would align. And then after doing that for some time, sometimes I even actually converse with them. I'll reply to stories. And so sometimes they're already familiar with me by the time I email. But I don't think I really did that. So in the beginning, it was more like cold emailing. So when I sent that email, I told them I wanted to do a giveaway. And that idea just kind of popped out of nowhere. I was like, I would like to do a giveaway and like give out one of these salt cups because I purchased one on Amazon and I really found that it was, um, you know, it was good. Like I really enjoyed using it. I It took me a couple of months to figure it out, but I eventually got the hang of it and I realized how easy it is and how much better it is for the pH balance and all that stuff. So I was like, I want to reach out to them and see if they'd like to work together. And so I sent them an email saying, I'd love to do a giveaway. I told them my experience with the product. And it's funny, they replied saying, wow, like, it's almost like you were reading our minds because we were planning to do a giveaway in September. So I was like, that is crazy. Like, what are the odds, you know? Like, and this was back, I feel like it was July. Like, so it was months ahead of time. Um, and so, yeah, when we, we set up everything, at that time, we weren't even doing contracts. We, we pretty much was like, okay, we'll work together. This is our price. Um, I put the our, our rate in that first email and what I did was I went on, I think it was socialblade.com and based on like our engagement on all platforms, our followers, um, they kind of like give you an estimate of how much you should be charging. Are you talking about and- Social Blue Book or is it the YouTube I- Social Blade? I didn't, I didn't know that was, they do that on there. Yeah, I think it was socialblade.com because they, they also have Instagram. Like you can do it where they're looking at your YouTube, your Instagram, your Facebook. Like, oh, all I the- didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So like they gave us a range of what we should be charging and it was kind of low. So I was like, well, we have really good quality. So we charged um, more on the higher end of the range and they, they were like, okay, cool. So when we, you know, when we decided to actually um when they decided to actually go with us we invoiced them and they didn't pay let me see they didn't pay until we actually did the video so that was interesting because i didn't really know how that would work so we recorded the video we uploaded it and then we sent them the link and that's when they paid but after that every other brand 
they literally pay as soon as we say, okay, we're going to do this, send out the products. Like, they literally pay right away. So it was pretty interesting the way they did it. But overall, oh, like... Oh, really? Was- I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off because I feel like every brand that I work with, they pay after they get the link. <laughs> really? <laughs> and maybe maybe it's my maybe it's my terms. that That's why they do it like that. Because I never thought... I think when... It depends on the project because I know some people say that when it's a bigger project, they'll get like half the money up front and then they'll get the other uh, half when it's delivered. That makes sense. But I, that's dope though. Okay, maybe I need to be thinking about things a little differently because right? I usually get paid after they get the link. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I think you can put that in the contract. Yeah, you, you can. Like, um, and then we also do like delivery terms. So like um, it's either they we either deliver the content two weeks after they sign the contract or two weeks after we receive the product. So whichever one is longer, like let's say they sign the contract and they don't, they don't send the products until, I don't know, weeks later. We have one that's actually, we're still waiting. They signed the contract and they paid and they still haven't sent us the products. So yeah, I mean, I like that because we have, for me, Two weeks is good enough. Sometimes it kind of conflicts with our, our other business, but um, for the most part, we're able to get through within those two weeks. And so, yeah, it's been amazing. It's it's like I can't believe still at this point that we're literally able to create content um, that you would be doing anyway and getting paid. Doing- <laughs> I know. OK, so listen, I have to say this to you because this is something that is just something I feel like is very recent for me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm working with like a lot of brands lately because um, for the longest time, I was so nervous to work with a lot of brands. And that's why it's so funny. I hadn't really monetized my platforms the way that I was supposed to because I was afraid that they would try to change my mm-hmm. my language and how I like I didn't want to seem salesy and I didn't want to yeah. just, just put anything out there kind of thing. I didn't want to do that. And so I used to be so nervous to do it for like the longest time. And now that I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot believe I waited so long. Yes. <laughs> to it's do so that. Cute, a lot of people feel like that. It depends on who you work with, I think. Like, one company really tell us, oh, we kind of want you to say these things. But they they also gave it as an option. So we didn't have to say it, but we chose to say it because we thought it really made sense with the video. But, like, most of, like, now that we have contracts, we recently started having contracts. We put in the contract that we, you know, have the creative right to express however we want to express the product as long as it puts, you know, makes the company look you know, professional and in a, in a light that's not um, demeaning or anything like that. But we want to reserve that right to create the way we want to create and also make sure that they are, you know, getting a really good value. And they're, most of the companies, well, so far it's been like two companies that we've been doing the contract with. They're like, oh, yeah, do whatever you want to do. You don't have to feel like um, you have to talk about the product in that first minute. Because we did have one company that was like, oh, you have to talk about the product in the mm-hmm. first minute. And it doesn't always flow right. Like we set the the standard up front. We're like, you know, we're going to do this in a way that works for us. If it works to do it in the first minute, we will. But like based on how our recording goes and the way we work, more than likely it's going to probably be within the middle of the video just so it could be natural. And they're like, oh, yeah, go right ahead. But I think the bigger brands, they kind of want to have more control. I just think that it's just important to... um to just try it, even if you're a little nervous, because I'm telling right. you, I was like, mm. I do like, I will say this though, because I know you said that you want to have creative control. And I think that's so important to have that because mm-hmm. I think that it, my thing is, if you come to me, you should already trust that I'm going to represent you the way that you want to be represented. Exactly. You know, like you should know that I'm not going to just be out there being crazy. And plus they always look at the footage before you put it up anyway. But right. I wanted to say that I think that, 
overall, I just think that it's it's worth it, especially if this is something you yeah. want to do. This is your lifestyle. It takes so much. We know this. It takes so much time to do yes. all of this <laughs> stuff, especially if you're on multiple platforms like we are. It takes exactly. so much time. Oh, and to go back to like charging brands, we realized that, you know, brands, just as much as we need the brands, the brands need us. You know, we're, we're looking at the amount of work that we're doing, the amount of hours that we're editing, the amount of hours that we're preparing to produce the, the you know, content and then actually doing the content. And it's a lot of time. And, and we do this professionally as well. So, you know, like we know how much it really would cost if they came to us to just produce a video. So we actually started to, like at this point, we've tripled our rate since we started back nice. in like July. Yes. And and it's it's not even so much about our engagement. I feel like our engagement definitely increased a little bit, but for us we realized that the value is there for them and you know like if the value is there and we're performing at a level that they want us to or that we know we're capable of then why not? You know like we're taking the time to do this and we're we're doing we're crossing our T's, we're dotting our I's. So, you know, if you feel like you're worth more than maybe Social Blade tells you, then I think you should just go ahead and charge that and don't feel any way about it. Yes, I so agree with that. That's like an important mindset shift for sure. Exactly. That really is. Because what's the worst that can happen? They say no. That is truly the exactly. worst that can happen. And so it's not that big of a deal. But um, I wanted to recommend because I, I didn't know that Social Blade offered this, but another option out there to get an idea of how much you, you know, kind of get an idea of how much to charge. If some of the listeners, listeners aren't sure what to charge, they can go to socialbluebook.com. And that'll okay. show you, yeah, if you link like all your social media, it'll give you a range. It gives you the low range, mid range and high range. And I agree with you about going high. Cause I think mm -hmm. that's important. And then sometimes there's room for like negotiation. <laughs> like you go higher, right. like you have a number in your head that you want, but you probably put, you know, a little bit more on that, like, you know, 15% more on that. And right. then you may end up getting the number you wanted originally. So I don't know. I just think it's important to, to leave some room up there for negotiation. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and also like, okay, do you, when you work with brands, do you give them as far as your deliverables, is it multiple platforms or do you give them, you know, maybe a social media post or video? Like how do you do yours as far as the pricing? Do you give them okay. a package? Cause I think packages are, are helpful. Yeah. Um, a lot of, most times we do packages. Some brands we feel that only Instagram is where our audience would want to hear about it. So Depending on the brand, we'll either just do a straight Instagram collaboration or we'll do a package where it's like one YouTube video, um, a Instagram post and like two stories on Instagram stories. See, and then now we're starting to do blog posts. So then we'll we're probably going to do a blog post along with like a podcast episode and then like an Instagram feed picture. So, yeah, it really depends on the brand like YouTube. I realized not everything needs to go on YouTube. The, the audience, our audience is a little bit weird on YouTube. So I feel like they want to see vlogs. They want to see us acting stupid. Like, oh, <laughs> they don't want it to be like serious. Like, listen. Yeah, like they don't want to see all the vegan conscious living stuff. And I guess it's because we kind of started out with a lot of vlogging. And so they're so used to just seeing our characters and our personality on there. And then sprinkle in some like recipes and some vegan information or healthy living information. But for the most part they just want to see like the chill stuff so like instagram <laughs> is where people are interested in like all the details about you know what herbs i'm taking and all that stuff like they actually care about that stuff 
So mm. um, depending on the brand, I'll just do Instagram for, you know, like those those more in detail collaborations and then like the more chill stuff I'll do on YouTube. Yeah, I think the the biggest lesson that we're, I'm getting from this is just um, the importance of just starting before you feel like you're ready. Because yes. you're never going to really feel ready. Like, I'm telling you, I didn't feel ready. And people told been telling me for years that I have been ready <laughs> to yes. do this. So not saying I didn't do brand deals before, but I think that I'm more intentional about it now because I just see how important it is for me as far as, like, uh, my livelihood. <laughs> right. And because I th- think it's really important to um, just put this information out there. I love your definition of what an influencer is. And mm-hmm. most of the time with the brands I work with is stuff that I'm already, I already like anyway. So it's just so important to just put that out there and, and help other people with it. And if I can help myself financially, that's a, a great thing to be able exactly. to do Exactly. So, I mean, the other day I was talking to an influencer and she was like, she would be sitting here waiting still. She's been an influencer for five years. She'd still be waiting for brands to come to her. And after a while, she's like, you know what? I need to put myself out there. I need to pitch, you know, I need to, because my value is only as good as what I'm willing to prove to other people. And sometimes brands will reach out. But for me, I've noticed the brands that I truly want to work with are the ones that I have to like seek out myself and actually show them my value. So definitely like you really got to put yourself out there. I love it, Trudy. That's so true. So good. (laughs) Okay. So tell us before we um, wrap up where we can follow you, where we can find you how people can work with you, learn more about what you do, all of that good stuff. Okay, well, you can find us on www.thegeniuslife.com. That's G-E-N-E-U-S life.com. And um, we're on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. And you'll find all our recipes on our website as well as um, a work with us tab. If you'd like to collaborate with us, you can feel free to check us out on there. You'll also find our podcast on our website and that will link you to iTunes. We have a podcast called Real Vegan Talk. So yeah, definitely check it out and definitely looking forward to connecting with other influencers and supporters. Yes. Trudy, you are everywhere for real, for real. Like, for real, for Because <laughs> when you told me you were doing a podcast, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you got YouTube, <laughs> podcast, Instagram, TV, just <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. I need to slow down, man. But, I don't know. I'm, I'm working out what I like, you know, working out the kinks, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, that's true. I think that's helpful, too. I think that's helpful for people to feel like you could try different things and then see what sticks, what feels good to you and your audience. That's important. Exactly. But for me, I just get bored easily. That's why I need <laughs> I need to be able to shake things up a little bit <laughs> but yes this was yep. such a pleasure thank you so so much for being on the show hopefully we can finally meet in person we keep yes. missing each other we can finally I know we're literally like two doors down and we still haven't met but we definitely will I'm excited to connect I know um, yeah me too thank you so much for being on the show yes thank you for having me I hope this episode was helpful. Come over to my Instagram or Facebook page at Brown Vegan and let me know your thoughts. Also, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes to make it easy for other people to find us. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.